0: So uh, that comes back as well to a background. So I was born clinically blind. So I had literally for the first three and a half years of my life, I couldn't see anything. And then I went through uh, seven surgeries in order to be able to be sitting with you now and looking at you and be able to actually build stuff in my life. So for me, risk is, is non-existent. I have nothing to lose.
1: So, Elid, tell us,
2: how was your stay in Lebanon? Man, first of all, uh, happy to be here. Another episode, the trip. It was good, man, but uh, the internet sucks down there. So, it was really not helping me do my work yeah. in terms of the startup or the podcast. Yeah. But it was a nice trip to nice, with man. the family, man. Uh, but it's good to be back in yeah. Dubai.
1: If the internet sucks, what about the electricity?
2: Uh <laughs> Like, we can keep on talking a lot about yeah. Lebanon. It's the unfortunate situation. Every time you mention that. I hope it'll get better soon, man. But uh, no. there's no light that's oh. showing up at the end of La, the end of it yet.
1: Definitely. And yeah, hopefully, as you mentioned, like, the situation will get better. But uh, speaking of getting better, mm. what's better
2: than having one guest on Oof. our podcast? Oof. Having... Exactly. You want to take the floor? Definitely, man. I'm very excited for today because we have two serial entrepreneurs. They really started their journey from scratch for where they reach today. It's, It's really an honor having them with us. And I want to give a brief intro of uh, I want them to give an introduction okay. about themselves. so Rami Aleme and Richard okay. Fitzgerald, pleasure to having both of you here on higher take. We're looking forward to hear about you guys. I mean, there's a lot of knowledge that you will be able to convey to all, all our audience the story, how it all started. Uh, Richard, you know he's the CEO and founder of Augustus Media who owns Love in Dubai, Smash TV, and Love in KSA as well. Rami Aleme, also CEO and founder of Lexium, which is a legal startup, and Aka Labs, which is an NFT project, among other things, which I will allow you guys to elaborate. So thank you guys for, for being here. Of course. Thank you. Good to be here. It's to be on her take. <laughs> Amazing. So I want to leave the floor, first of all, to, let's say, Rami, then Richard. I want you to go ahead and tell me like about yourself, a small background about your like personal self, like who is Rami mm. and a bit about, you know, your entrepreneurial journey. And afterwards I leave the floor mm. to Richard as well. Thank you so much for having me. Um, first of all, I think that's, that's one of the,
0: the weirdest questions that I, I answer each and every mm. time. Cause I, I cannot categorize myself. I don't, mm. I don't, if you ask me like, who is Rami? Yeah. Rami is a lawyer, but but Rami is also an entrepreneur, but Rami is also an artist because I really love colors. I love, I love design. I focus on, on creating stuff. Um, Rami is a marketing guy. He's a manager. He's, uh, an HR guy. And I think that's what entrepreneurship teaches you. You're a bit of everything, uh, that creates an identity that is unique for you. Mm. I started off as a lawyer. I, um, I went through uh, law school in New York. I went through uh, a master's in financial services law, then uh, worked as a lawyer for, for some time uh, at a major firm before starting my own firm, which is uh, Lexium, which started off as uh, a law firm for startups. So we used to cater solely for startups. And this is one of the, the first lessons that potentially I would love to kind of share on this, on this podcast Oops. is uh, to be really niche when you start Mm. your, your career. So I started off as a startup lawyer. I got, um, because I was coming from big law. Uh, I got an offer from a bank, from an actual, uh, institutional, uh, uh, com- uh institutional, financial institution, basically to say, to say, okay, we're going to pay you uh, $50,000 a year to, to handle a few contracts, et cetera. I refused the contract for a simple reason, not because I didn't need the money at the time. I needed each and every penny to kind of launch and grow, but I wanted to really stay focused and I wanted to brand myself as the startup lawyer. And now in the startup ecosystem, in the, across the GCC in Saudi Arabia, wherever I go, I'm kind of labeled as the startup lawyer, which I hate as a, as a label, but still like I, Mm -hmm. I focus on that. So that's me in a nutshell. I have a social media platform. I share a lot of startup content on Instagram, on TikTok. went into, um, uh, Defi, mm. blockchain, etc., and then NFTs recently with uh, with their killers. We launched a collection on September 9th, sold out in three minutes. Um, we have an amazing community, so uh, yeah, kudos but, to to them if they're yeah. watching this. Yeah. I love to always <laughs> they support. They should watch. Yeah. yeah, I mean, whoever is watching, they know that how 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 uh, conservative I am towards my community. And so yeah, that's Uh, that's in a nutshell. That's why I am
1: such an amazing introduction because like you mixed and you blended all the things things. that you do.
2: I think in a very clear way. So uh, yeah, thank you for that intro, Richard. I will leave the floor to you. Maybe tell us more about yourself and yeah, hard one to follow. (laughs) A (laughs) little (laughs) more humble background. So I grew up in the countryside in Ireland.
3: uh, Studied in uh, near Dublin and graduated in 2006 with it. Degree in economics in German. I had wanted to be a football coach. Uh, I really liked football and like working with people. I wanted to do psychology and things like that. But I didn't really, you know, like most young people, didn't really figure out what I was going to do. And I took a language uh, and a business topic. Uh, So I studied German. I lived there during the university for a year, and I studied economics. Uh, But. uh, around 2006 I uh, also you know into the creative side of things and commercial and the best fusion of that was uh commerce and creativity was sort of advertising and marketing so I graduate graduate uh, you know I d- went that direction mm. I was reading a lot about social media at the time uh I, the only job I could get was an outdoor you know selling um outdoor advertising company that sell the six sheet advertising uh, <laughs> uh box uh you know outside news agents across ireland and some billboards and while i was doing that uh, i found the only course in ireland at the time for digital marketing and for the first time ever i was top of my class so i kind of you know because i was passionate about it i was reading yeah. everything about it and then i found the, the leading and only digital agency in ireland they'd started up in 1999 and they'd done a lot of this sort of google stuff when that came on board and, uh, luckily after a second attempt interview, I got in there and it basically my career since 2006 has been both sides of media on the marketing side, mainly with agencies in, you know, three different countries. I, and when I ended up in Dubai in 2012, I was working with an agency that were across 13 countries. So I was, uh, you know, I was in Beirut from 2012, to 2015, uh, built a hub there, hired 30 trilingual graduates to, worked for 300 clients across the region. And, uh, but then around 2015, uh, I didn't really plan it. I always thought I wanted to do my own social media agency, uh, but I didn't plan the shift to the journalism media Mm, publishing mm. side, but at Facebook on, you know, social at the time, there was a lot of juice and a lot of reach for, uh, clickbait type news publications, uh, video, social articles, all that stuff. Uh, and my friend was doing a, a project in, in Ireland, love in Dublin. And I asked him what he was doing. And we basically signed sort of, uh, Rami will pro- probably laugh at the agreement that we signed, but we did a 10 year area developer, uh, contract, that wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't even copy and paste. It was more like, let's just write stuff down. And when, when things got legal in later years, uh, not with him, he had left, but it was kind of thrown out, basically that document. <laughs> but it served us well. We got started. and uh, mm-hmm. Dubai took off quite quickly. I I had left this sort of bigger company that I was with, and I, I joined MD of a tech startup, a tech social sort of startup. Yeah. And I was uh, basically in 2015 for about eight months. I had uh, two businesses. You know, I had equity in a small in a startup that had raised funds. And I had put all savings into other business. And it was quite a difficult time, but uh to manage both. But basically then uh we saw that Love and Dubai was taking off and uh, knew that and was passionate about that media side. So um, that you know, that became the license was Augustus Media, and Augustus Media essentially is a holding, is it uh, media, modern media company, uh slash between a broadcaster and a publisher we now have 16 lovens, so 15 Mm. cities across the region and loving saudi arabi and the rest are mainly in english and some arabic and then we uh so that's our sort of horizontal loving dubai sort of local news and lifestyle loving your life tagline and then just to sort of uh synergize we've also got a streaming service sort of our r&d our next wave of media and we built it from scratch we've uh, it's called Smashy TV and it's got 12 channels and it's vertical. So Smashy Crypto, Smashy Gaming, uh, Smashy mm. Sports. And we live yes. broadcast uh, 500 games from the UAE this year uh, from the federations of indoor sports like futsal, volleyball, handball, things like that. Uh, we have an office in KSA, we have an office in Cairo, we have a JV in Pakistan, JV in Sudan and starting offices in Bahrain and Abu Dhabi and in Doha. And we're 70 people. We just built... 12,000 square foot studios in Dubai production city and, uh, you know, all, all from profits, basically Mm. we'll do $5.2 million revenue this year, uh, 20% margin and we're reinvesting. So, you know, a, a kind of, um, uh, a solid ground footing, seven years in, uh, modern media company, uh, that, you know, is focused on digital is focused on this region and is focused on our sort of own,
1: uh, IP brands
2: as well. Wow. Man, again, amazing. I'm very excited because both yeah. of you guys... You really, have so many topics to cover. You guys really provided uh, a lot for us, you know, to dismantle, dismantle <laughs> you, to your your careers, let's say your journeys, and to be able to better understand, okay, you guys did this, uh, but we, you know, go into the details, how you got there, so people will be able to relate and, and reach this. So maybe the, the, the first thought I, I have in my mind, uh, I would say... Uh, for, uh, Richard, you said you came from the countryside, right? And now you're in one of the biggest hub, cities in the, in the world. So like, how, you know, do you, how did you manage to build this character that's coming from a countryside to fit a character that needs to be in like, like the city, if it makes sense.
3: Yeah. I had a good education. I was lucky. I went to boarding school, a good education, uh, but even still as a character, you know, uh, Waleed, when I was studying when I was working my first job, uh, I was one of the shy kind of account executives mm. that couldn't speak to their clients. And uh I wasn't really encouraged by my managers. And I felt like uh I felt like that I wasn't really I knew more than my image or reputation sort of had in the company. And I, I wasn't promoted for two and a half years, like it was a struggle. Like I was and then I went to London, I found a social media agency that were dedicated to that. And then I sort of, at least uh, I, I didn't do well in the first job. And then the second job I started to do well. But at that point, you know, I would, for uh, England to Irish people is sort of more interesting, right? Like London's a big city mm. and it was quite exciting. Like Rami, you said off air, you, you were in New York as well. And it's quite exciting when you land in these places as a exactly. first time, uh, but maybe too exciting. And I was sort of, uh, burning the candle and both sticks and both sticks, whatever the phrase is. So I I would be like, you know, I got a fixie bike and I'd be flying around the city, going to parties and going to Mm -hmm. art galleries, going to football games, all the things that we didn't really have as much of in Dublin, but in the agency land in London, they were a lot more sophisticated. And, uh, I learned a lot about leadership. I learned a lot about client service relationships in the workplace. Managing upwards, I learned a lot of the career skills that you need. So when I came to Dubai, I didn't have any inferior complex. Mm,
4: you know, mm, I didn't, mm. I
3: wasn't kind of from the countryside into Dubai sort of thing, even though, you know, Dubai 10 years ago is a little different than it of is course. now. Oh. Uh, but I didn't, um, so I was, you know, even though it was in a region where uh, I didn't really understand culturally, I loved that. And I saw that as a kind of an, up, like, you know, a challenge to learn and to, but I didn't have any of the like... Uh, oh, uh, what would it be like if I did London or New York? I kind of knew I'd mastered that or did well at that. Like when I was in London, I had a blog called 52 Burrito Dates. Mm. So I basically won um, at a London Twitter Fest in 2010. I won a year's supply of Chilango. They're like Chipotle burritos. And uh, people were DMing me can, uh, you're the burrito boy. Can I, you know, can we (laughs) share?
4: So
3: I was like, Oh yeah, I was 27 in London, a long hair. And I was like, okay, right. I'm going to (laughs) go. And then then I started blogging about it and it blew up and it was like, you know, it was on the BBC. It was, I basically dated 52 different girls (laughs) one every week for a whole year and wrote about it publicly. And, uh, so, so I kind of, you know, I, I, tick that box, that London box, you know, yeah. kind of like when I came over here, I was like, right, I've done that. And that allowed me to sort of think a little, and even now think a little bit long-term, you know, like I really believe in, in this region uh, and yeah, so, uh, yeah. so yeah, it took and a while, like of course. I mean, I was yeah. nearly 40, like it took a while. It wasn't, um, it's, sort it's... of like countryside farming and, type them, yeah. of, and yeah. then <laughs> fix it.
1: I think, I think it's safe to say that you make the best out of what you're given.
2: Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and, and as been, you mentioned, uh, it's like a learning curve you know like it's not like you're here then here you had to go through mm-hmm. multiple experiences in life to to build that personality and character mm-hmm. that would fit you know the 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 city wise yeah and uh, Rami maybe also you know you could build on that so like you were also in employment as he mentioned mm-hmm. he he was in multiple jobs that built his character so you were employed at first and then you you left to pursue your entrepreneurship journey so like how, you know, you, did you find that passion and you made that transition what, you know, pushed you to, to go ahead with that route, you know, from New York to. So, um, so I, it, it actually happened in, um, a,
0: a bit of a different way. I've never wanted or felt like being employed in a sense. I never consider any kind of job that I did, uh, as something that I owed to, to someone. I considered that everything I did, I owed to myself. So technically, whenever I was employed in a place, I wanted to give the best because uh, this is who I am. This is what I want to deliver. This is what I want to give. And it it was always this way. The way, the, the thing that got me out of kind of, you know, we want to call it employment, because mm. I really believe that an entrepreneur is, is employed for themselves. Uh, I think what got me really out is, the op- the opportunity and the problem that I was solving, and I felt um, a need for for legal for startups at the time when I was working in in legal in financial services. So I used to do all these isda agreements, swaps, kind of very complex agreements that that that, that banks would use, Goldman Sachs, etc., would use. Uh, and I thought I thought to myself, why can't I actually replicate this for? early movers for startups okay. for small companies for them to be able to raise capital at at a much earlier stage than what they could potentially going public or raising capital etc with pcs and mm. institutional investors so that was where it started i wanted to give that power to to entrepreneurs to say hey you could potentially build something raise capital by having lower costs on legal and I would be able to help you shape your idea because I'm passionate about ideas and and like creative entrepreneurs trying to disrupt Mm. uh, markets. So I thought, why can't I build this? Mm. That's what got me really out of entrepreneurship, uh, out of uh, employment, employment. into into entrepreneurship. Right. And... That and it's weird how and to 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 Richard's point when when he was saying like I went through London I went through the experience and I, I I love that you came to Dubai and you saw a different angle of Dubai when people are coming to dubai maybe to see sometimes the the social part the 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 exciting part of dubai in matters of entertainment you saw a different angle you mm-hmm. saw the long term so that's kind of where i was i was in new york i saw that angle i saw i saw okay i'm not going to keep going to parties all my life it's crazy <laughs> yeah. and i'm going to go uh, one time two times three times and then i'm not, i need <laughs> I, I really yeah. feel like solving something i really feel like giving purpose to myself and so this is where it so, so
2: it comes within
0: yeah it's comes it comes definitely from within it comes from solving a problem and I always say on my page on my in my videos like everything I do it always starts with this need and this this really urge to solve a problem
4: mm-hmm.
0: but um speaking of like finding your
1: purpose yeah. like many people want to find their purpose whether they're employed or whether they're their own entrepreneurs But um, with purpose comes risk, because as you know, like I can be saying that I want to find my purpose, but oh, okay, there's a gap in the market. I don't want to find my purpose with the opportunity cost of having a risk and basically losing what I have and like opening and starting up a new thing. How did you manage this thin line of finding your
0: purpose and managing risks at your own cost? So um, that comes back as well to a background. So I was born clinically blind. So I had literally for the first three and a half years of my life, I couldn't see anything. And then I went through uh, seven surgeries in order to be able to be sitting with you now and looking at you and be able to actually build stuff in my life. So for me, risk is, is non-existent. I have nothing to lose for, I I never had anything to lose anyway. I, I, I was born with, with something that could have stayed. I could have been walking with, with no vision, nothing at all. And I got blessed to, to, to be able to, to do that. And so for me, uh, we are all living in a, in a fictive, Mm. uh, conception of risk. Technically, if you look at, at what we're living and what we're doing, we're all at risk of like just disappearing from one second to another or losing anything that we consider as, as base as, as for us for granted in a way, vision, touch, uh, feeling, smell, whatever, the, these basic basic things that we're at risk at, of losing at every second. Mm. So where is the risk? For me, there is no real feeling for risk. I don't feel it. I go, I just jump on things and do them. And it happens.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's a very eye-opening yeah. statement. Yeah. That, exactly. uh, I'm sure it's uh, going to influence it, a lot of the viewers that are puts, watching. It puts things into perspective. What's your thoughts about, you know, this risk that Maher mentioned and taking to leave and... Uh, Start your own thing, leave yeah. employment.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting when you make it personal like that, and it's a good, uh, good reference to, you know, related to life and I'd be grateful for what we have, I appreciate it like that. I think um, you know personally the the risk and the jump from, uh, you know, I also agree that we're all, we're I'm still an employee. I'm employing myself, but I'm still an employee. Like I still act like an employee. I don't have special treatments and everything, but there, there was that sort of fear of the jump of the security of the workplace and the, the job, uh, uh, you know, the working for getting a regular salary and all these things that people sort of get accustomed to. And there is a risk, like, you know, it, it might be, uh, relative, but the risk is that, uh, you know, you put everything into something, uh, money, time, efforts, and you end up with nothing. And, you know, for me, uh, I could have, uh, I could have, the business mightn't have taken off. And then what am I left with? I go back to another job and then, uh, or I leave the country or whatever. So don't really think about those things, but, uh, I I meet people now who have ideas and have restless nights and, you know, it's almost like they don't, they don't have the right things in place to make Mm -hmm. that jump. Um, and that's why there's a lot of things in the startup ecosystem, like uh good software and good things like that, that help people uh, to raise funds and things like that. But it's also like psychologically, like it's a, it's a tricky jump. Like I was stressed out big time. I, I had anxiety, uh, you know, around that time uh because I'd taken on a lot Uh and I, I thought I was able for it. I was 32 and I, uh you know, I, I was, basically i was an md of of a company i'd become i'd been promoted a few times a regional social media director like i wasn't sort of like i've got an idea you know and even even i knew my space my industry really well uh i knew how to build a business unit i knew pnls i knew Mm -hmm. i knew everything i had loads of contacts i knew how to win business and even i found it really hard you know and it was touch and go for the first few years but you know, when I meet people uh, and they ask me, I met, met uh, someone recently and uh, she always wanted to do dancing and she's a teacher now. And on the side, she's got some dancing classes and she's like, um, you know, I I think I should work in media. Uh, I think I should get a job in media, you know, like 10 years later or whatever. And I, w- I could just see that sort of cusp of where I was in 2015. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly, I said, forget about media quit the teaching job and what you've got is good. Like you're making money, you, uh, kids are coming to your classes, like just just take that step and it will be shit for two years. <laughs> you're going to struggle, but like in the long term, it's your passion
2: and your passion will get you there and you'll get through it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have said it better. I mean, following your passion, you need to take it. It's not always easy. You guys have been through it. Uh, I have been experiencing something similar recently. So the most important thing is, is taking that step. Mm-hmm uh Rami you uh mentioned work with uh, like you're the founder of Aka Labs yeah correct? yeah so it's about NFTs you know killers yeah yeah and yeah. other things but possibly so maybe you could elaborate and maybe the the, the point that I'm trying to reach at the end of this question, is the NFT space dead or not? Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> Very funny. gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, but be- before that, I just want
0: to highlight something yeah. uh, for for all the young people that are listening to this and that that might be listening to that content. Um, there are many opportunities. So the the safety nest that is available today for young people is much bigger than it was. 10 years or 20 years, 20 years ago with, uh, I was, I was in Canada for the summer. I, I, I spent like a few weeks in Quebec city. Um, the amount of restaurants that are looking for waiters to actually work mm. for barman to, to serve is tremendous is like they're, they're aching for someone to come and work. And there are not enough people wanting to work. So worst case scenario, you could go back to some kind of job. I worked as a waiter, I worked as a barman. So I started in, in these jobs, I did these jobs Mm -hmm. and it's, it's enriching because you realize that sometimes you create the idea that you don't have, that you have so much to lose when in fact you could go back to something and then start over whatever you want to start over. So, Mm -hmm. so definitely to push Really to keep pushing, build your e-commerce as Richard was saying, I, I love how, how how he was encouraging, like follow your passion, follow your, whatever you want to do, just build it. It's the time to build. We're in a recession. We're, we're in a crisis. This is the time for people to actually start building so that when the economy comes back on track, because it will, it's a cycle. It's always a cycle. You will be ready to actually launch products, scale products, scale services, uh, scale your talent. People can become artists. And now I'm going to go that, to that introduction towards NFTs. We built, uh, so I built a social media platform, a social media platform, social media account in a way where I share startup stuff. And that comes in line with what I did at Lexium, which is helping startups. So I wanted to scale it up on a personal brand. So I created a personal brand mm-hmm. um, on Instagram and TikTok, et cetera. Uh, and then I, I was obviously we all, especially entrepreneurs, follow Gary V. So mm. we, we know like we, we know what, what he's doing, how he's doing things. And this guy is obviously an inspiration to a lot of, of people. Um, when he launched V friends, that that was one of the most um, enlightening moments that I, I was, I witnessed, I I was literally consuming that content on a daily basis, 24 seven, uh, to understand what is Friends, And so what he created with vFriends what was, was, uh, an intellectual property with an, a community that is based on these tokens that, that he launched to, to the public mm-hmm. with, with vFriends series one, right? You could have a Friends and get an exclusive meeting with Gary V, get on a podcast or get him on a podcast with you mm-hmm. if you have a Friends. So these, this is, this is value. So you get him on a podcast, obviously your views spike up. Mm -hmm. Richard would tell us, hey, we create so much exposure Mm -hmm. for you, right? So that investment that you put into a VFriend Series 1 token where you could actually bring Gary V with you, that would make you money. So that's so that's that's where I started understanding the the relationship between the technology, the intellectual property, the value being created out of the NFTs, and what it could enable to people. Mm. Uh, and so I wanted to replicate that model on a smaller scale, obviously with mo- with my social media. Uh, and so I created Akillers. Mm. Uh, Akillers is a uh, is an NFT project that. It's a Web3 startup, basically, that that uh, released uh, a collection of NFTs, a Genesis collection. Uh, it's a DAO, it's a decentralized autonomous organization where the actual holders own the startup. So the holders who own, killers own oh, the actual startup. Uh, mm-hmm. And what we're doing is building content, educational content for entrepreneurs, for people to learn practical skills. Uh, and our vision is to build a pokemon go for gamified learning so we're we're imagining a world where ar is going to be so mainstream we're going to all be wearing glasses and where you will have the akiller's app that will trigger challenges in the real world for you to learn new skills for example uh, communication skills or whatever skills you you want to learn for your entrepreneurship journey you would be able to initiate it through a game a gamified solution in a way uh, kind of, I, I say Pokemon Go because it makes it simple for people to understand because a lot of people played Pokemon Go. You go, you find a Pokemon, you just uh, start collecting. And so it's the same process building that game. So that's in a way what A is. And if you're asking about what like, what the NFT space looks like, there's always an adoption period. So if you look at the dot-com bubble of the year, of like the 2000s, uh, a lot of, investors were actually taking piles of cash and throwing them at tech startups back in 1998, Mm. 1999, right? And you saw these pictures of people uh, like holding bags of cash and going to these tech startups and tech entrepreneurs and saying, hey, I wanna put money with you. Mm. But The problem at the time, what was it? The problem at the time was there was, there were not enough internet users to actually consume whatever was being produced. And the technology was not that fast. Replicated today, NFTs launched with a huge hype, with a huge demand, especially with Bored Apes, with VFriends and collection after collection, people started building. These are entrepreneurs, just like uh, the, the series of entrepreneurs that built in the year 2000 and in the year 2010 with Uber and all these apps that came from the Apple store. Uh, then supply started increasing. So there were more and more collections, more and more, but not enough people jumping into the space, especially that it was an unregulated space. Yeah. So technically you could launch an NFT collection, sell your tokens and just run away. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Many times. We didn't see any any uh, any NFT founder um, uh, being accountable for things or saying, hey, I registered a company or where is the mint money going to? We didn't see that. And that's part of like why I started to raise, basically raise that flag back mm. in February and March and April of last year saying, hey guys, there's something illegal happening here. Mm. Mm. People are being scammed. Yeah. It's, there, there are no companies, no transparency, no terms of sale, um, no, no clear view of what the money is being used for. And from a technical perspective, from a legal perspective, that money that you raise in the Mint, that's crowdfunding. Mm, that is You're on. actually crowdfunding it's, it's your exactly project. Yeah. Right. And the problem with that crowdfunding is that the, the person that's paying the money is not getting any perks. So when when we say I'm gonna give you IP, yeah. So what what the <laughs> I'm not sure if we can curse. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Do, <laughs> what the fuck? You can, you can yeah. cut it. But what the fuck do you do you do with that commercial IP? Yeah. At this point in time, all the NFT projects in the space. Are benefiting from the holders and not the other way around. Even if you have a board ape right now and you open a burger, burger shop and you put your board ape as a, as a logo, you will not really benefit. Like a few, a few board ape, uh, a few board ape members would, would, would jump in, take a burger or or something, but it's not something mainstream yet. Right. So uh, I think what the NFT space went through is uh, a period of hype that now in a way stagnated or stabilized. And we're gonna see a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of value created from NFTs moving forward because combining tech with intellectual property with microtransactions is the future. However you wanna label it, these three things, and we're not gonna call it NFTs anymore. It's just just like MP3s, (laughs) we used to call music MP3. Right. Yeah, Everyone, uh, play, uh, right? I, I, I'm listening to MP3. What we don't say MP3 anymore, right? Uh, we say yeah. music. We say yeah. music, right? Same thing for NFTs. We're not gonna say NFTs anymore, non fungible yeah. tokens. We're gonna say something else. I don't know what what's yeah. gonna be, but it's gonna combine that. Intellectual property with the technology, with the ability to 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 do microtransactions and the ability of these microtransactions to fuel more content, more curated content, more uh, business models that are, that are more flexible. And so yeah. I think the future is very bright for what we call today NFTs. Definitely. But like given the NFT is a
1: huge space and there are like so many loopholes to discover or so many like uh, things to display since it's like, as you were saying, maybe boom to like last two years so don't you think like uh in the future there will be like a clear vision or like a clear pathways to so how people can use
0: nfts or you think that it's gonna stay like uh, stagnant
1: till oh like-
4: no
0: i mean uh, like right now that this is when when unicorns are built
2: yeah
0: this is when unicorns when when in 2010 uh or 2009 uber started yeah. There was this idea, how can an actual cab driver just log into the app and go pick me up without actually having a a medallion, which was worth in New York, uh, south of uh, a million dollars, right? So this was, this was blurry. I I lived through the Airbnb early era in New York uh, and, and I was renting my apartment uh, there and I was meeting with other hosts. It was illegal. We used to hide and, and create that these groups, these secretive where we sit and how are we going to do that? And we used to receive our checks from, for Airbnb and postcards. Okay. I promise you in, in the, we would get the letter with the, with the check being stuck on the back of the postcard yeah. mm. and we would go cash it out yeah. at the bank. It was a check and we'd go just like cash it at the, yeah. at the, at the, at the teller. So this is when, when, when value is built, this is when, when unicorns and when, next billion dollar companies are built because it's, it's still blurry. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going to happen later on? Of course, it's going to become yeah, super clear like how you about. use NFTs. Instagram now is is integrating NFTs as a marketplace. Now yeah. you could mint NFTs on Instagram. Yeah. That's Ooh. all uh, it's,
1: a so a it's getting more and more yeah. regulated. No, that's the course. reason I asked and the question. Yeah.
0: I tried to visualize what's the pathway
2: Where of NFTs getting...
0: going forward. Bro, yeah. microtransactions, 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 intellectual, intellectual property, and technology being more and more used in augmented reality and virtual reality. I just want to
2: hear Richard's take, I don't, he works in no. media, Augustus Media. So like, I don't know if Smash TV or anything, if you look into this AR uh, offerings, the NFTs at all, or it's something that uh, Augustus Media hasn't explored yet. Yeah, I also agree, you know, whatever way you describe uh, future trends,
3: someone said in the fourth industrial revolution and it's the digital one. I also think that, uh, many parts of the world aren't digitized yet. So, uh, anything that's anything digital, any projections in the future around digital or technology, uh, I, I'm half sold, you know, I think, <laughs> I think, and especially in, in that space, you know, we're, we're in a media company space and a lot of people, I, I would say, you know, Rami said they're in the adoption phase, like in, in media companies, they're in the experimental sort of, get press coverage type phase with, with web three and NFTs. Uh, I definitely, my point of view on it is web three works. And I think uh, that web two companies are actually going to benefit from this. Uh, People think that the web three, there will be unicorns. There will be web three native companies and and new companies. But if you think of um, our industry, the companies that are doing really well now are web one companies. So Mm -hmm. Uh, the listed companies in media that are are doing quite well is from commerce. So, so that that uh, marriage of uh, e-commerce, sort of, it, you know, how do you how do you do well from e-commerce if you're a publisher? Google, right? So uh, Google and all those companies are web one, right? Amazon uh, and 1995 onwards for about ten years until they coined uh, Tim O'Reilly coined Web 2.0 in two thousand four. And 2005, 2006, 2007, then you had the Facebooks and all that. But so, uh, but the media companies that, uh, grew on top of web two haven't really done well. And we're one of them. We're done, we're done. Okay. We're profitable. But we we didn't get the $1.7 billion valuation that uh BuzzFeeds got mm-hmm. in 2017. They went public last year at 1.5 billion. Today, if you're aggressive, you can buy them on the stock market for $250 million, right? So uh so Web 2 is the companies that grew on top of web two haven't really done well. Why do I think that they're the ones that are going to do well? Because uh for me, Web3 is the bit that Web 2 missed, which is the value exchange. And make the creator, give the creator some money back, right? Like who, who got the money? Ad markets, right? Facebook, although at the moment it's decreasing 80 billion a year on advertising, right? So they, they did well on web too, but in future it'll be the creator. So personally, and this is real, I, I don't really, I know people explain the industry with pattern recognition and it's the best way to explain things, but fundamentally, how do we understand this? Uh, you know, I'm simplifying it, but smart contracts and speed of transfer and DeFi and all this stuff, w- the world has a problem with how slow money moves, yeah. right? And this stuff is going to fix that. Exactly. Simple as that. Yeah. Like, you know, just like the Uber came faster, money will move faster because duh, like it should, everything else <laughs> moves faster. So, you know, so it's just natural. Like we evolve, we make things up as humans and it's just going to happen. And the same with Web3, uh, what, what is wrong here? Mm. You guys are doing this podcast and without a sponsor, blah, blah, blah. And there's someone getting value from this. Where's the money? Mm. Where's the value exchange, right? Is it, you know, capitalism is about services and value exchange and, and com- being commercially savvy. So, uh, I think that web three will solve that problem. Uh, and also I do believe in the, in the IP side of things with, You know, you made a good example of uh, V friends and things like that. But uh, so our point of view, long way of answering the question, but our our point of view is we're a media company. Uh, We don't do agency work. We don't do events. We don't do talent management. We're building IP, uh, you know, in much in the same way. No, actually, totally not in the same way. But (laughs) like, like Disney focus on digital, you know, a global company and actual famous IP, we're trying to, you know, understand what that means right and that helps us make decisions so if disney are going for branded content ip it helps them know that they want to buy marvel or star wars or pixar or whatever then if we're going after ip then we know when the timing's right that we will launch nft projects that suit our ip whether it's related to cities in the region like you know uh, with Lovin, or whether it's related to media things with smashy or whatever. Um, and, and then the smart contract side, but at the moment as well, like smashy crypto is one of these, uh, news platforms for crypto. Right. And I think, you know, uh, we're like a, like a law firm who would, uh, advise on startups, you know, we have a service element of media. So, you know, there are the creators like this podcast and there's, the platforms like Spotify or whatever. Uh, but who's the media saying that there's a new podcast out, right? Like you guys aren't writing about the other podcast, talking about the other podcasts that people might listen to. So I think media plays a role in that space. And uh, it's not the glamorous high valuation bet on the future part of it, but, uh, but we believe in it and we think fundamentally like branded content, IP and digital are everything we do. So, uh, you know the studios we have a VR studio there isn't that much in it at the moment. It's actually quite hard to get many of the devices That's at right, the moment. Yeah. In mm. in in the UAE there aren't that many available you know from the Oculus, chairs to the trampolines yeah. to like there are Oculuses, but there's oh. just not there's just the not equipment. Yeah, yeah, there's just not that much stuff here yet. And I know that all these companies are going to release new headsets and things like that or Meta already have, but uh you know people laugh at at Zuckerberg spending yeah. 9 or $12 <laughs> a year. Because it's a cartoon. Oh, oh. Yeah, they laugh, they laugh at everything he does. Uh, but but sometimes, you know, it's like it's like funds, right? You know, if, if, if you see people putting funds into something, yeah, right, that might be, like, speculative. But usually something eventually comes out of the sky, right? Exactly. Like, if you invest in infrastructure in schools or roads, right? Like, that usually provides like logistics, transport, accessibility or education. If Dubai has a funder initiative around regulation on crypto or the metaverse, like don't be naive. Don't, don't say that this is stuff isn't happening. It, it's happening. It's where the
1: money is. <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. No, I think that's such a great take. But now, like, I would like to dive deeper into the uh, Augustus Media, your company, because I feel like many people are aware of the page love in Dubai, but not as many people are aware about, like, you know, it lies under Augustus Media. So I would like to know more about how did you come up with this yeah. initiative and what were the stepping stones in order to accomplish or establish a company that's as successful as it is right now.
2: Sorry, I think just Rami he just wants to I, add I'm something. I'm curious to, to know why did you call it Augustus? Uh, <laughs> that's a
0: good question. Yeah.
3: So uh, it's named after a character from a period of history, Emperor yeah. Augustus. Yeah, uh, the Roman, right. Obviously the Roman Emperor. Uh, yeah, we didn't, you know, I don't like it's a long name. I have it as a, kind of like my grandfather had a similar name. And I had it as my confirmation name. So it's part of my name. So similar. So oh, it was kind okay. of there, right. but from, you know, our, our studios have Augustus's bus. And, you know, we, we do have that sort of, uh, approach to things in terms of just iconography and just how the company is. Uh, so it's just the name. It's just <laughs> Augustus. No, Manu. you know,
0: I, I'm asking because, uh, because our, our, our project's called Achilles out of like coming from Achilles and my, my pseudo in, in like, in web three is Achilles. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So these guys have the Roman, the Roman civilization with the Greek civilization being combined on this. podcast. Yeah.
3: You're a bit older than us, but yeah.
0: <laughs> but like,
3: yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I like history and uh, media is sort of history in a way, right? Like mm. storytelling and things like that completely different, but uh, I get inspired by people from periods of history and, uh emperor augustus wasn't you know the, the story of how he inherited rome from julius caesar wasn't straight right he was an mm-hmm. adopted kind of son mm-hmm. and then he had to battle and kill people basically uh, at the start until sort of 14 bc and then uh and then he changed it from a republic to an empire and there was after he he died uh you know he wrote, ruled for many years and then there was they said there was 200 years of peace afterwards and, uh, so I, I like that story. I like sort of, I, if you, if you were talking previously about Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg hasn't visited many places, but he went to Rome, uh, when he was at, if you watch the recent Spotify documentary, when he was in Lake Como at Daniel X's uh, wedding in 2016, he actually went to Rome around that time. And it's the only course that he did in Harvard before he dropped out, not Rome, Roman, the time of Augustus, mm. and his hair is actually parting like Augustus, right? So, uh, so I, 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 don't think that Facebook or Meta are dead at all. Like he's, he's not even forty. I think he might be just turned forty. He's got thirty years to Mark, run. Mark, he's yeah. still uh-huh.
2: in his thirties. Yeah,
3: mm. yeah. But, you know, people say he's thirty years at, uh, after the, the people who are doing cool stuff now, but like, but like he definitely sees. You know, he's definitely kind of modeling around Augustus and it helps us sort of future plan as well. Like when we're making decisions around investments, like, you know, what we're doing, media is sort of undervalued at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking 10, 20, 30 years, you know, um, ahead or even longer. Uh, so yeah, that, like the Augustus, so Love in Dubai was a franchise. So, uh, and legally when we were registering it, it was hard to get Dubai in the name. Uh, so, and I always thought like, then maybe we can add more things to this in the future. Uh, we wrote down at the very start, we wrote down a, a vision to establish and maintain a new order in media advertising. You know, if you work in the, like Rami was working in sort of the financial world uh, and the legal side of it, you spot problems. Mm. And if, if I'm 10, 12 years in agency worlds, like anyone, they'll say that this is a mess, right? Like mm. how things are bought, the rebates, like all this stuff is just messy. Let's simplify it. And some people come out with really granular data products and different things. Uh, but so I thought maybe like, let's just have this big goal of fixing this mess. And then the the mission was to become the media company of choice in the Middle East, uh, in the region. So, you know, what consumers choose our brands and advertisers choose our brands. So that's how it stems from. And. When we uh, when we started, it was it wasn't a fresh idea, right? It was localizing Love in Dubai that no one knew, like we set it up or whatever. But uh, and then we defined it further, and then we kind of rebranded and uh, you know bought that license IP assignment, so bought it for the region, and then started rolling out many other things. And uh, now we're pretty comfortable with what Love in Dubai is. Everyone has different views on what it is, and uh, but we're pretty sure on what it is and. Uh, what purpose it serves and mm. what it can do in this region. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, at that same time, I also, you know, we didn't own the Lovin' IP until we do now, but I knew that that would be important. Uh, so when I saw the next wave, uh, I was kind of like, well, we need to own an IP. Uh, and we said, let's do streaming. But let's create our own IP. So, Smashy was like Cheddar in the US. So, Cheddar was like a young Bloomberg. It streams off Wall Street, it does all the startup broadcasting. It was a streaming service and it had a block of cheese, uh, like cheddar cheese. And mm. so, we made a malice, uh, like, and Smashy is the malice. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, and that became our IP and our brand. And uh, the tagline under Smashy is for the driven dreamers doers. So, in 10 years of flying around to all countries in the region, uh, I was, you know, uh, surprised and impressed with, uh, not necessarily just a startup mentality, but definitely people who wanted economic prosperity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, there was a young cohort. So I thought, well, why don't we create a media brand that speaks to these people? So what, like, like MTV spoke to mm-hmm. a youth at a time or like vice spoke to people in yeah. Canada, uh, 1991 so like near like 30 years ago right like uh we wanted to create a media brand that speaks to young people who want uh who are ambitious in the region and that's what we're doing uh so uh, augustus media essentially has 12 channels under smashy 16 cities under Lovin, and the different offices we do some white label stuff like vice have virtue we have our old branded content, our own branded content unit, which is called Odium. A lot of the things that we do are r- Roman references. So <laughs> Odium is like a cinema or theater in Rome. So that's our content studio. And Censor was the census when the, when the uh, people, you know, counting how many the population of Rome. So Censor is our uh, proprietary data analytics platform. Mm. Uh, so yeah, but they're not, they're not client facing things. These are just things that we yeah, use to help the run the business. Yeah. Yeah. I feel
1: like one of the main pillars on why you guys are so successful, and especially I'm talking about Love in Dubai, is that you guys are able to get news fast and no, very, very, fast. very fast. How can you guys manage that? How do you get the news in such a fast manner? It
3: comes by design. Like I remember hiring an editor and uh, she wanted to work from the UK in the summer. and She was just used to deadline days. You know, yeah. There is no deadline. I was on the bike this morning and I was getting videos of a fire in downtown, like there's no deadline. How, how were we able to get it up? Uh, it happened at 6.52. We were able to post it at eight or so for me, that's not good enough,
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's an hour and eight minutes too late, but you know, uh, but I didn't post it, but I had shift scheduled work to post it. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, but to do it in a way which is a trained journalist, they they come through see this is the thing about media, right? Like you need like law, you need it's to trust what the what people have studied in university, whether you're an engineer. So I trust and believe in the and respect the profession of journalist. I'm not a journalist, but I respect it. And what we had to do is, okay, they come and they know how to fact check, mm-hmm. and they know how to write. They don't know how to discover and they don't know how to distribute. So we teach them. And the discovery part is, is tricks and tools online. And the distribution part is enabling that packaging. So, you know, whether it's TweetDeck or whether it's getting source of content, okay, you have your you have your website and you have uh, your uh, social media. And then the distribution. So uh, we use Canva, we use all things like that to get mm. things out packaged fast. But one journalist and the approval and to design a system on Slack where we've three fast channels that there's a cutoff time when you post okay. the the topic to discuss. If there's no one saying no in fifteen minutes, then it goes to the headline and then it goes to the approval link. Right. And sometimes it's even faster than that. But there's no there's no like in submit a piece of copy for an article mm-hmm. and someone else edits it and someone else uploads it to a CMS. No way. <laughs> we, we cut all this out, you know, fashioned, yeah. And, and, and if you don't do it by design, you call it, like in the service industry and agencies, you cause stress on people. You feel like I don't WhatsApp my, my, the people who work with us. I don't, I don't WhatsApp them. I don't need to. I built a system that allows us to go fast.
2: Exactly. Perfect. How
3: do you, did you monetize love in Dubai? Branded content Mainly Branded is content. 70% 30% is audience revenue Which I'll explain Which is rev share Like display YouTube ads Snapchat We do really well On Snapchat uh, Really well Snapchat is very
2: big We'll get into Social media yeah. platforms <laughs> Other than that It's like uh, People Pay loving People Institutions Etc Pay love in Dubai To post as well.
3: Exactly. At the moment, some people are saying there's a lot of ads on the, on the Instagram page. There is. But, uh, but you know, when I was at that agency, like that branded content unit was trying to be, uh, people were trying to push it with Buzzfeed's this sort of native sort of uh, brought to you by piece. And I think it's quite an interesting way to reach people. Uh, so we basically localized that, right? Like, uh, and by localizing it, we brought the price point down and we brought it uh uh interesting for startups and for restaurants and things you know uh, advertising was democratized with self-serve like advertising used to be hard to uh you used to have to have an agency you used to have to do creative or record ads do billboards and everything like that but with the with the self-serve whether it's on uh ppc on on you know uh google or display network or uh every platform has a self serve now yeah. uh even snap to facebook twitter everything wow. uh tiktok uh, and you ma- you yeah, go yeah. ahead go ahead so, sorry and and cuz that's serve, it democratized it yeah, so of course. the long tail you know the number facebook would say in their earnings are meta how many advertisers there are on the platform so they they said you know the mission was to make the world more open and connected in in discourse, but actually they were making, uh, they were empowering people to advertise and promote their small business. And we're just like a layer, like Gary Vaynerchuk, he always says that he's a layer on top of the internet. He he never built a platform. He just, he's the toll bridge, you know, and we sort of kind of tap into that as well. Like if you have a restaurant, uh, you don't have the money to get the videographer down Mm. and then someone has a paid social to boost it. Exactly. So you might need 20, 30,000 dirhams to do the video and then you might need someone else to edit it and push it out to get 150,000 views we do all of that for half the price of the production with no paid media right so on a local level with an audience with a couple of million followers
2: that that are also used to getting this stuff yeah so you mentioned something funny uh not funny but something that's going on right now love in dubai is getting like some sort of backlash over the amount of uh Posts they have been adding about Dubai place, about Dubai place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good friends over at Dubai Problems, yeah, <laughs> Dubai Problems, one hundred percent. I've been following like Dubai Problems <laughs> what they're posting about. Like uh, th- th- the point is, how do you handle these situations? You know, like uh, I love it. Like what? It's not a situation to handle. you uh, just, so you it just leave it, let it happen. Yeah, yeah, i what, what about out. you, like haters or someone? <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Rami's so. a micro influencer I do. as yeah. well, so like yeah. he, he does get some backlash. Like, yeah, yeah, I do, I do love it. Same thing. You don't, ha- <laughs> you don't. I, I really, I re- you
0: don't handle the thing. Like, just let it go, let it, let it slide. That's it. Let it slide. That's it. And like what 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 they're sharing on on uh, on that on that topic is for me is is amazing. Like the highlight and stuff. I I, I find, I mean, f- everything that you highlight. um to the public, if it's honest, if it's straight, straightforward, mm-hmm. you don't handle it. You Just let it go. Just, it. you're going to
2: have hate. It's, wow. it's positive. Yeah, I that's think. a thing. When you have people talking, like, I think it, it's still uh, positive to have haters in a way. You know, like for us, we got like a yeah. negative comment and, <laughs> yeah. and, and we were happy. We yeah, like it, I sent like it to Alina We in the chat hater, got and it. they
1: sent me like <laughs> laughing faces because of course, like <laughs> if you're going to put yourself away. there, you're yeah. going to receive it. It's like uh, something 100%. Well, I got
0: on one of the videos, I literally got around 1200 insults. Have from wow. It was it was it was uh a year a year and a half ago, something like that, on TikTok. I shared a video saying Bitcoin is shit. Okay. <laughs> Bro, the amount of hate that I got was <laughs> was unbelievable. Tw- literally I remember like something like twelve hundred comments. Yeah. All like insulting my mother, my sister, whom they don't know if I have, <laughs> uh my parents, like everyone. And <laughs> I literally got WhatsApps sharing with me stickers that they did off my face, uh saying in Arabic like uh, stupid financial advisor, stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. It was crazy, yeah. right? Like and, and it got me it got me a lot of uh attention at the time. It got me a lot of followers, but it was something that I spoke from from conviction. Yeah. And I said this this shit stop saying <laughs> to people that this is a store of value. And for, for these guys who have a hundred and two hundred and three hundred and four hundred and five hundred dollars to go throw them in Bitcoin and wait until it becomes a million dollars, which will, which will not happen at least anytime soon. Uh, and instead of like pushing them to launch their e-commerce or their dropshipping drop store or their startup money, or their yeah. page or it's whatever money. it is, right? So that was what I said. And all these traders started insulting. You don't know shit. It's going to go to the moon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Richard, once you uh, mentioned something, I think one of the podcasts, maybe, that you don't like the term freedom of speech. I don't know if I'm (laughs) correct. You don't like to use it. uh, (laughs) um, And one of the platforms, I don't remember when, yeah, um, should have was that on TikTok. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, is is that true? Like, is there a reason why you said that?
3: Or? Yeah, I'll explain it. But, you know, in context of what we we're just talking about, so, uh you know, I think when you get hate, I think, you know, it is good not to sort of get triggered by it and not to be emotional about it, be able to have some emotional intelligence around it, but then also to look inward and just to question. Um, are you doing something fundamentally wrong? Like, are you, you uh-huh. know, are, are you being ethical or do you have a, do you have a fundamental problem with your business? Right. And, you know, I think you, I think you always need to look at that. And, uh, you know, for example, uh, there, there are tabloids in the UK who were phone hacking, uh, the phones of, uh, like uh celebrities and dead people, right? Like and dead people? Yeah, there was a dead, yeah, yeah. It, the news of the world was shut down because they got a big backlash because they a, a young girl, a six year old or ten year old they they went into the messages of her phone, right? Like, wow, so this was malpractice, like it was entrenched. It was d- right in the core of the company, right? So uh, you know, if you're getting criticism and it, there's actually something in the core that's wrong. Then fix it, you know. Right. And I think from our point of view, uh, you know, if we get some hate online, if people are saying I can't see another post about D- Dubai Bling on follow, I'm kind of like, alright, right? Like, you know, <laughs> the, same, the same people who watch Dubai Bling are the people who the love and brand is built for. Right? Yeah. And if you want, as I said, it's loving your life. I always used to joke it was the people who watch Friends, right? Like. You know, we're, we're, we're all of us are both sides of this, but a media brand can't really afford to be uh, to have many personalities. It needs to be clear what the personality is. So smashy needs to be clear. It's for the ambitious people. Right. And all the quotes and things like that are are uh, motivational things. Mm. And I love smash. Yeah. we're yeah. Pick, We're picking out those type of stuff from it. Right. And so. Uh, so with loving, if, if people are getting triggered about things, I'm kind of like, well, you're the people who get triggered by stuff. You're the people who, you know, so, um, so, you know, but we, we obviously, you know, I would pass some of the blame of this stuff back to the platforms. (laughs) What's that section 23 thing in the U S but like, you know, but it is, you know, it is their fault that there's so much toxicity online and they've, they've enabled tools over time. Like we put a post up a few months ago uh, about a Jewish wedding in Abu Dhabi. And, uh, you know, people said, why did you turn the comments off? And, uh, you know, I'm glad we turned the comments off because it would have upset the community. There would have been so many insults. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, new, uh, FT turns the comments off on some mm. things. Mm. So why can't, so why can't you just control some situations that doesn't spill over into hate and upset people's lives? Right now you can question, uh, posting lots of different things. I'll, I'll answer the question. So, The freedom of speech in the context of press, it stems from uh, how the U S and how Western media is governed. Mm. Right. So uh, the first amendment in the constitution in the U S says, uh, is basically related to freedom of speech. Mm. Right. And then the press take that as their uh, license to print anything, right or wrong. And they say, we can print what we want, and it ruins lives sometimes, right? And uh, in this region, we thankfully don't have the U.S. Constitution, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And the Constitution is related is very closely. Like you see, the Saudi flag is very closely to the Quran. It's very closely to Islam, right? It's not as defined as the American Constitution. So you have to understand uh, freedom of speech in context with the Constitution and and the culture that you're living in. So that's what I mean that I don't believe in it. I don't think it's right. And uh if you if you think of we're we're the first foreign-owned media company in Saudi Arabia since five years ago. Mm. How is that possible? In a region where uh not too many, you know, not that long ago, uh for three, four hundred years was under the Ottoman Empire, mm. right? So parts of this region. And the Ottoman Empire banned the printing press, right? So uh so the equivalent of banning the printing press today would be banning the internet. Would be not allowing a media company in the region because no. you can't put print books, you can't print, publish social media or websites. So that's what I mean. And we can. So the printing press isn't banned. So and and Dubai has wonderful media forms. It's got an, a strategic agenda to be the media capital of the region. Uh, there are. It provides jobs. It provides discourse. But you have to understand it with the context of. What the Americans say isn't always right. Oh, and, 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 you know, speaking with, with a lawyer as well, right? You know, when people say you need to hold people to account, journalists need to hold people to account, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I, I do, because, because why? who gives you the right to hold someone to account? That's for the law. That's for different people, different thing. What you can do is you can shed light on information that doesn't exist within the culture, within the media guidelines, you know, yeah. so you can do that as a journalist, you know, my sister's a journalist and she works for love in Dubai. She didn't go to journalism school to lock people up in jail or to shame their families or whatever. That's not, that's not her purpose. So mm-hmm. that's what, well, not what young journalists, young creators do. They want, they want, they're in, they like writing, they yeah. like being creative. Yeah. You yeah. know,
2: You know, I love something you mentioned here and I love it in Dubai. Like I think in Dubai and UAE in general, like you have the freedom to express yourself however you want, but as long as you're not, uh, overstepping on someone's respect, you no. know, just like not offending that, anyone. You're not offending anyone. Like, like so you really like for me, I can say anything, but like, I know there's these guidelines, like, and, and it's right of me to respect them. Like, it's not, I don't feel like it's imposed upon me. I feel it's only ethical that I, uh, I don't cross these lines. So that's the, the, one of the beautiful things you know, yeah. here compared to the US, as you mentioned, where yeah. like people talk about this, talk about that without any certain limits. Yeah. Well, love in Dubai, we don't do reviews, like Time Out did reviews since the seventies. Like if
3: people, if, average, if restaurants want promotion, then it's, we have a branded content sponsored model, but we don't do reviews for that reason. Like mm. why, why would I, uh, or anyone, uh, harm someone's chance of making a living why would someone yeah. say you've put your your life's passion into opening a restaurant and one comment or one thing can shut that down and ruin that person's chance of someone showing up for a coffee yeah. who am i how dare i like yeah. what what gives me the right
2: after elon musk now acquired twitter how do you think uh that will impact this that platform or are you not too it'll, involved in it? It'll become profitable and it'll list again. Because yes. he's
3: a shark. Yeah. He's a shark. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. We all love Elon here. Um, but but, he, but he, I think he's doing it for the wrong reasons. I think he's got an ego and I don't think he should be doing it. <laughs> he has a huge uh, ego. Why, you know, why, why, why run a company that's in, okay in the, in the tens of billions when you have two companies in hundreds of billions market cap? So why, why are you doing? What are you wasting your time on? You know, I think, yeah. it, I, I think it's a ego trip. Yeah.
1: So uh, guys, I have a question that I want to ask both of you. We we'll start with Rami. Um, I'm just like intrigued about like, what are the challenges that you faced in your upcoming? Like ever since you were employed to the stage that you are at now, what has been the biggest challenge in your eyes that has been like challenging and like, uh, and, to- and if you could tell us also how you like overcame it.
2: Like but really the worst one. Like one of the worst experiences, something that like you thought you might not recover Same, from. Yeah. Might not recover. Like it, from. Could, it could be on a person level or it could be on a professional yeah, level course. while building your entrepreneurship journey. Hmm.
0: Um, so the, the, one of the biggest challenges I think is defining yourself in the sense that um, understanding what are you trying to build? And it's an, everlasting discovery, but, but you kind of try to pinpoint it more and more. So when I started now, when I say, um, I'm a startup lawyer, when I first started, I said, is it the right choice or not? I'm trying to help startups, but the, 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 the vision that I had at the time was not, was not in a way was not, was not real, was just an idea and, who said how startups were going to evolve. Like that was what, eight years from eight years ago, mm-hmm. who oh, yeah. said how the region, the region is going to evolve, how start, tech startups are going to evolve, how entrepreneurship is going to evolve. Uh, no one like yeah. and that, that, that is one of the biggest challenges to really try to look to the future and really believe in the vision that you have, mm-hmm. uh, with no really que- with no cues no yeah. so you're you're, you're, more... you're driving
2: a ship where, where like literally you have so sure. no cue exactly. is a challenge yeah. and you faced it like while you were building let's say collabs or like, yeah, yeah. Some, like, like like you had an an experience that where you figured that out and you, you thought okay identifying ourselves was one of the toughest things it's
0: always a challenge mm. like it's it has been a challenge from day one like we started Lexium as a marketplace for lawyers imagine like Lexium Originally, originally, originally as an idea was a marketplace for you, for lawyers. And we pitched 500 startups, which is one of the biggest investors in startups worldwide as a marketplace for lawyers. And we, we just like, we were so excited and passionate about it saying, Hey, we're going to build the next big thing, connecting these lawyers to, to people. And you're going to be able to have a service that's, that's super fast. That's super efficient. And now it's, it's, it's pivoted to something
1: totally different. Is it safe to say that it was more of a mental challenge because you couldn't
0: like identify the light in the tunnel? Inherently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's a huge, you have to, I think in entrepreneurship, you get to, you get to really push all your, your mental, if you want to call them mental muscles, uh, each and every day to discover things and to to re- make sense of the changes that are happening. And uh, for example, we were talking about like Zuckerberg uh, and 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 Facebook, uh, the change that they did, changing like Facebook to Meta, and mm-hmm. then putting all these in, this investment that requires like from the outside we see it. At the, okay, we can criticize and we can we can just give our opinion. But from the inside, can you imagine like steering that that huge that huge ship? From one direction to another, changing the name, changing like everything into something that you believe is going to be the future—it's super hard. Yeah. And so that's one of the biggest, biggest, biggest challenges, honestly. What about you,
1: Richard? What has been the biggest challenge? There's been
3: moments where it's the goings got tough. You know, like at the very start, there was you know how do we turn this into a business? Months like struggling, looking at finances and things like that. There's been. There's been legal stuff over the years that, that has been stressful. Uh, and, and things like that, like moments like that, that are tough. Mm. Uh, you know, but everything's a challenge, but you know, now it's, uh, you know, trying not, trying to do the next stage, try to build for the future and try to grow the business, uh, without making mistakes that people generally make, right? Like, we're lucky what we have at the moment. Do we play it safe? Do we go bigger? Uh, I, with now, you know, there's a responsibility, right? Like uh, 70 employees, there's families in our business, right? There's parents, there's things like that. So uh, so there's that. And then, you know, that's in the business. Uh, personally, I, I do triathlon and I trained. Uh, I used to do a lot of half Ironmans and marathons. And then I trained for a full Ironman. Mm. A couple of years ago and I trained 11 months, 16, 20 hours a week (laughs) and got to the race day in my native Ireland where it's temperamental weather wise. And there was a storm and they canceled the swim and uh, I was on the bike and I had um, like I basically had hypothermia uh, or whatever. My hands were shaking and bouncing I got a flat tire. And so I didn't finish the race. And that was like, you know. It, it should be, you know, a full Ironman is, uh, you know, it's a long race, right? Like it's a long event. It's 3.9K swim, 180K bike and wow. 40, 42K <laughs> marathon. And, uh, <laughs> and then and then the pandemic happened and I'd signed up for one the next year. So this is basically two years of training. Yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, then they it was supposed to be in Astana in Kazakhstan, closer to here. And they canceled it like two weeks before uh, and you know, it was keeping me going during the pandemic. Like we, I love in Dubai, we luckily had media mission permits, so we were publishing every day anyway. Like our business was cut to pieces in, in March, 2020, it was, you know, we had big losses for those summer months, but, uh, we turned around, but, but, you know, training for that Ironman sort of helped me have that discipline and consistency. And, uh, they gave us an option. Do you want to do it in Estonia? some uh, hero, some local race coordinator uh, pushed through, like it was the only Ironman to happen (laughs) around the world. He just got the contacts with the government and, you know, uh, but honestly, I three or four different flights cancelled. It was hilarious. Like there was just very little travel, but I got in and and, uh, the race happened and I did it like in 11 hours, 14 minutes and two years to, two years basically to do that. You know, it's the same with business as well. Like you have to have that sort of tenacity to sort of keep
2: going.
4: Yeah, to, a, you you touch upon
2: right. a very good point. You know, it's consistency. Yeah. You prepare well. And I think it's, uh, you know, your mindset to keep on going no matter what. And uh, on that point, you, 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 you mentioned there was some financial, you know, situations you faced. And I know how fun, how funding is very difficult for startups. So like someone would have want, wanted to start something out, like, how would they get funding? Uh, What are the requirements to start asking for funding? From where would they get it? Like, how did you manage to get some funding, you know, for for Augustus Media Love in Dubai? And then Rami, maybe you can elaborate on how you did it for Akalabs Labs and Lexio.
3: Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think as Rami was saying as well, like there's a lot more options available for people now in many ways in startups. Things are cheaper. There's a lot of funds out there in the region, particularly. It's not, that hard to get money now. Uh, it is hard enough and it is stressful. But I think what's stressful is if you raise money and you and your product doesn't work mm. and it's failing, I think that's a stressful part. The sort of getting some cash isn't that hard, although it could be better, it could be easier. Yeah. Uh, you know, there could be more of it and heading into recession. You know, with us, uh, we didn't really have a something that we thought we would raise funds for. So uh, myself and my brother put in a bit of money uh, about $40,000 or, or so. And then that sort of went quite quickly. And uh, then uh, I put a LinkedIn post up uh, sort of while I was at the other startup and two sort of friends uh, put in money. One put 40 in another put 80 in. And that was it. Mm. It was $160,000 in 2016. Uh, And it was gone by May 2016. (laughs) So it was was, was gone so quickly that, um, you know, Dubai is not cheap. Like I hired an editor on 28,000 dirhams (laughs) a month, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a bit of a mistake, but that really got us a bit of credibility. And, you know, but we were paying license fees for the franchise. We were paying startup. Uh, with publishing as well it's not like services you can't get a client really on day one you need to go 12 to 18 months to build an audience yeah like in, in the other cities that we're in now we we know that we won't make revenue for that period of time and uh but like but you know and, and that's it that's the thing and then you kind of go well how do i value my business uh, and that's hard <laughs> and what capital do i take i i do think that people should look at all options like Debt has been good to us. We keep our debt to equity ratio really low, you know, within so healthy environment. But we're always looking at debt. you know, Um, cash flow can be tricky. Some clients don't pay for 120 days or whatever. So you just have to manage all these things. But because some companies like uh, make mistakes with uh, how much equity they give away Mm, mm. and they sell the dream. Like when we were launching Smashy, Cheddar raised 50 million dollars. And I was putting together a deck, like, you know, will I raise money for Smashy? Uh, You know, and if I'd done it, if I'd raised sort of two or $5 million in 2018, 2019, and said, we're going to have 10,000 subscribers because OTT is going to take off in the region by 2022. And if I don't, then what? So so we incubated it. We did it ourselves. And we don't have those amounts of subscribers. Mm. But equally, the the streaming space is so nascent like they they barely have fiber network in egypt you know like so yeah. there's so many things like you, you, you talked about lebanon at the start like lebanon was a key player in the media industry and still is in, in dubai and on podcasts uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know but but it really was you know, the history of media when i came to the region first and i would tell my uncle or people in ireland you know that i was going in and out to beirut they would always tell me that they knew beirut from the wireless, from the radio, because it was one of the dials, like in 1940s mm-hmm. Ireland. You know, that's that was their exposure, and the, that was the radio, right? Like, in the media industry obviously is really big in Le- in um, Egypt as well. But like, so so it's a great part of the world, right? But like, you can't just force it. People say, uh, sorry, I'm going on, but people say, hey, accelerate it. You know, take some money, give up, give up like 40 percent, and and go go faster. But I'm kind of like, well. Well, we can't. Like, We have to wait for other parts of the ecosystem to grow. grow. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in Saudi, you know, Love in Dubai came 15 years after Timeout Dubai. So 15 years after ITP and, and that, right? And in Saudi, we're four years ahead, right? So that sounds good, but it's bad because there's no market there. There was no market for the type of content and work that we were doing, right? There is in Doha. We just started in Doha and people were 10 years ahead of us. We just started in Cairo. People were 10 years ahead of us. I think that's great because digital media needs that starting mm. spot, you know? Mm. Um, so uh, we can't force things. We can't force the giga projects in Saudi to be built. So the restaurant opens. So they have a marketing budget. So they are going to and loving, loving Neon. Yeah. We have to wait. Definitely. And, exactly. and all the startup money in the world won't, you know, we have to sort of wait. So you
2: have to wait. What about funding and how we get it and how we value? Uh, your startup to know how much funds you need to request with equity and
0: all so that definitely look at at all the options like richard was saying like just start with with friends and family mm-hmm. uh there are you might be surprised at the amount of people that are available in your network that you are not really focused on so the, this is the first step into i believe uh raising raising capital and it's very important. A lot of people try to put their own money into the business. And it's very interesting because you believe in your business and you want to put that money. But I think that the investor gives you a sense of control. So they're kind of looking at your operations and seeing in a way what you're doing and gives you that that feeling of responsibility. Saying, hey, I owe that money or that mon- that person trusted me with that money. And now I'm I'm just like kudos to you, Richard, honestly, for the ethical sentence that you just said. I, he could have said very easily, like, yeah, we want to see numbers at, at this level in 2022 or 2020 or 2021. And if it doesn't happen, well, guess what? It doesn't, it didn't happen. We could blame it on COVID, we could blame it on everything, right? Mm. But that, that goes back to the level of ethics that the person has and the level of like, um, honesty and straightforwardness, et cetera. Uh, So if you want to raise capital, the first step, look at your, your, your network. The second step, there are so many programs, look, search outside the box. Lexium raised from 500 startups, just a little backstory. Uh, So we were, we started off in, in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. We were incubated in, in, in Beirut. And for me, my, my, my first target was to raise from the U S Because I believe that legal can be disrupted most out of the US and our, our market is ultimately the region and uh, on the long run, the US. Uh, So I focused on the two major players in, in startups, which, uh, which are YC and 500 startups. And so I started going on LinkedIn and I searched for partners that are in 500 startups that were from Arab descent. And so I found one of the partners who is Egyptian living in, uh, in California, uh, Sharif al-Badawi. And I started, I messaged the guy and told him, listen, I'm not looking for investment. I'm looking for you to actually follow our progress. I'm an ex-lawyer, uh, lawyer, uh, who, who quit the corporate core big law and I'm looking to disrupt legal. And I'm, what I'm going to do is just, Get your email, send you a weekly report of what we've been, what we're doing. And six months from now, you get to decide if you want to invest or not. Mm -hmm. He loved the idea. Nice. Because there was no... He's
2: running the district fund now. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. So you
2: you thought outside of the box. Yeah. um, So for me, for me,
0: I did not go to the investor and say, hey, give me money. I said, I'm going to prove to you that I could actually do it. And six months from now, Mm -hmm. when I'm literally uh, like aching for the dollar to continue... Then I'm going to ask you. And if I did a good job, then obviously he's going to invest. And that's what he did. February, uh, six months after that, it was February. I reached out and I had another term sheet from another investor and said, Hey, this is a term sheet from another investor. Can you, can you give me better? Mm -hmm. And so the deal happened in less than a month, literally. And that was, that was exceptional because uh, he believed in the team. He believed in us. He believed in in whatever we were building. And next thing we were in San Francisco, mm. we were with wow. 500 startups. We got the investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We came back to the region. So it was uh, so it was always about thinking outside the box, but also proving to people that you can do things. Mm. And it's not about like building the product from scratch. It's about showing what you can build. Like to build the MVP, build the, the, the experience, mm. show people, build a video. An example, uh, Dropbox. Dropbox did not raise when they built the product. There is they raised before building the product. The video, yeah, exactly. Very famous they video, did right. the video yeah. and they did the sign up, right? Yeah, exactly. They said if you want to get access to that, just sign up. They got yeah. a million yeah. emails, and then when they got the million emails, they went to the investor and said, "Hey, we got a million potential users. You want to invest, or you don't want to invest?" Yeah. And The investor <laughs> was uh, was like, "Damn it, I'm definitely gonna ah. invest," yeah. right? right? And yeah. uh, and now with killers. With NFT, with the NFT, we went to the public and we we did a free mint. It sold out in in, in three minutes. We already generated 300 Ethereum's in uh, in traded volume on OpenSea and other platforms. We took 10 percent of that. So we we raised our initial capital from royalties on the exchange of our product because we showcase to people that our product is is high level. Our art is dope. Our community is dope. Our 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 brand is dope. 300 Ethereum's. We we raised 30 Ethereums in, in capital. That's yeah. in less than a month, right? Yeah. And we raised it not from directly from the people's pocket, but indirectly from from, from trades Trading. that are happening, mm. right? Because it was interesting for people to trade it. And now as a community, we decided, we took a decision to uh to to build one of the biggest uh databases for accelerators, incubators, and investors. And we're gonna share it with the public. And that's what we've been mm. doing. So now I think post this, this episode, mm-hmm. it's going to, it's going to be, it's no, going to be live. So, yeah. so anyone can have access to this database that we are building for the community of startups and entrepreneurs saying, Hey, the, the these contacts are free for you to actually go research. And so if you want to actually, if you're serious about raising capital, go and screen through all this list and find your investor because mm-hmm. they're out there. Yeah. It's just that mm-hmm. you're not doing enough effort to actually find them at some mm-hmm. point. Right. So that's, yeah. Uh, that's I think fun. the
1: investor approach is a very interesting approach because this proves that when there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. If you want to achieve something and you put it in your mind, you will achieve it. Which actually brings me to my next question. I'm going to start with you, Rami, again. Um, regardless if you were an employee or like an entrepreneur, like now, um, I'm just more interested in knowing like what are the key success factors that made you to the, per- like, transform you to the person you are today, and what is the mindset that you empower so you can wake up every day with the same passion, same
0: motivation to go to work and manage between all the different businesses that you're handling? For, uh, first of all, I'm I'm far from being successful. Uh, that's 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 number one. I'm not. I don't. I don't consider myself successful at this point in time. I don't consider that I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. Uh, I have. I have a vision to to disrupt legal for startups and that's what i'm doing i'm far from actually getting to it i'm far from getting to the numbers of entrepreneurs launching their business my main kpi is to see entrepreneurs launch their business that's how i i quantify my vision Mm -hmm. so i i want to disrupt legal for startups one entrepreneur at a time uh what keeps me going is that drive is that energy that i see with with every founder every entrepreneur that is building their startup but where does it building... stem from? Where does it stem from? Where does it, where, where does it come from? Yeah. the creative, from the creative part that I have within me. I like to see projects being created. I, there's a, there's a startup right now. And Walid is, is very familiar with, with that. We, it started five months ago, literally with an idea, with a dinner in New York. We went for a dinner. Uh, it was, it was very random. It's, it was just a, a basic, like just very raw idea today it's huge and it's going to, it's going to launch soon. It's, it's going to be really huge. And so that energy that, that I I built with, with that founder and, and, and the other founder and the other founder, and we became close friends. We work together. We, we have calls, we laugh, we joke. We, that energy drives me every day to wake up and say like, these guys are changing something. I want to push with whatever I've got to help them right? And same thing for Lexium. My team is, is disrupting legal and I want to, I want to keep pushing them and bring new people on board to even disrupt further, whatever, whatever is, is being done. I get frustrated from, from huge bills that, that lawyers give to, to, to entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. from these like 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, $40,000 in bills for things that I know as a lawyer can be done for much less, right? That was, that was where my frustration started. A killers, same thing, Mm. create that community of entrepreneurs who are really thinking, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to be controversial on that level, but who are not thinking of being hustlers and millionaires, Mm. because that's not the point. The point is not for you to just think of like, how can I put that huge chain on my, on my, on my neck and have that Lamborghini. That's not, that's not the point. That's not entrepreneurship. That's part of it maybe at some point, but that's not it. And so I wanted to build that community of people who really believe in disrupting, cre- in, in solving problems and in finding these needs and to like challenge them them- themselves mentally to, to build the next big thing. And so this is where Achilles was born. And that's what keeps me going each and every day.
2: Mm-hmm. Amazing. What about two Richard? Like key success factors, you would say two or three? Yeah, I think you know, we have values in our company, tenacity, ingenuity, velocity.
3: Uh, so tenacity is about, You know, the harder you work today, the more you'll be rewarded tomorrow. ingenuity we believe there's a bit of genius in everyone. So it helps with diversity. It helps with empowering people. And Velocity is all about momentum and having energy uh, to get projects going. You know, not sitting on ideas, not, you know, in any capacity. Uh, So those sort of things govern. uh, And you know what they come from? Uh, looking at the industry that I'd worked in for 10 years and saying, well, what is the makeup of a business that will succeed in this area? Uh, and if you look at uh, sports, I think sports always a good analogy, but if you look at uh, say endurance sports or football or basketball or cricket, and if you're, a, if you have a career in that space and you work under different coaches, then what, what would you learn from the back of that, you know, mm. consistency, discipline, uh, training, you know, that like what's the Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality, yeah, right? like I, that exactly. That sort of stuff. And, that, and, and, you know, that's inspiring. Like Kobe says, I uh, used to say he, had, he would go to goat mountain and whenever he's feeling down, he would, he would mentally go up to a mountain where all the goats are. So you can visualize goats to the top of the mountain, <laughs> but he's talking about the greatest of all time. And he would talk to those people. He would have conversations his head to those people. And I do the same thing in a, in a weird way. Like I, I have photos of people quotes on my wall in the office, and uh, you know, I would say, well, what would they do, right? So uh, that that type of stuff. But it, it it's it's um you know for the business, it's not getting too carried away. Like you know, another analogy would be the restaurant industry, right? Like at the end of the day, do you have customers? Are you providing a service? Well, how much of that can you deliver in a month? And that, mm. then you can keep the lights on and the bills playing. You can buy the good ingredients for the next month. So fundamentally will always be that. And if you, if we're grounded in that, then we'll need, we don't sort of get carried away. We don't sort of, uh, want to skip things. You know, mm. I don't like when people tell, when people say, uh, oh, I'm tired. You know, I worked in events industry for 15 years. I'm tired have a nap and go start again. Like, you know, like, I don't like this because it's because you know what it leads to, it leads to looking for shortcuts. It leads to saying I'm tired and therefore I'm going to try and make things easier with some piece of code that just skips everything. Mm -hmm. But no, you still need to work hard, right? Even, even if you invent that code, right? Like the Collisons with Stripe, like they, they work really hard. The Irish people work hard, but
4: they, 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 work, they work really hard and they don't
3: get carried away, right? Like, and I think, I think, um, I think, you know, sometimes if you say in the service industry, like if you worked in a bar for 10, 15 years and you, you said, Holas, I'm going to make a, an app that uh, helps people book reservations or whatever, right? That's cool. Or you could say, I'm so good at this. Now I'm going to open up my own restaurant and I'm mm. going to be a manager. Both need hard work. The, the latter uh, the former one the startup isn't the easier option <laughs> that's <laughs> you know? exactly. 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 exactly it's not like, so totally to yeah.
2: yeah to uh, we just have I think two or three more questions then there's a small trivia uh, the next question is about something we all have here in common is social media platforms so you both you're a micro influencer you have one of the biggest platforms in Dubai so maybe I'll start with Richard what's one of You know, the trends that you're seeing in social media, you mentioned Snapchat also, if you could talk about Snapchat, because I think it's very important, especially in KSA, Snapchat. So are you seeing any trends on the different social media platforms? What's the situation with Snapchat? How do you grow and how do you engage with your audience the best way possible? There's always trends in social media, but at the moment, there's only
4: one.
3: And uh, it's dominant, vertical video, whatever way you look at it. Vertical video. Yeah. Vertical video. It's, you know, six months ago, we used to have to make TikToks. Now we don't. They've, they're all going in. I saw an article in the FT the other day, right? Like, which shows the percentage of the billions that these companies are going to make from short form videos mm-hmm. in ads next year. And it's just starting like I, I did it in the predictions at the start of this year, but really it's just starting next year. We're very early, like of the 70, 80 billion that Meta make from ads, 900 million is on short on reels and TikTok and it's going to be 2.6 billion next year. They think TikTok's at 4 billion will go to eight. And you look, watch on your phone in the last few months, the next few months, how YouTube is becoming TikTok. YouTube shorts. Yeah. Yeah. But YouTube, but well, what, like, look at the shorts used to be three, four down now. And I've seen screenshots from Asia. Now it's just under the top well, video. Better
1: visibility now.
3: Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's just coming. It's, it's, you know, and, and they, they're moving in that space because they need to do attention. And then how do you devise your platform? You know, four years ago, We launched the Love in Dubai show, which has got good chemistry. It's on podcasts. It's a daily show. It's got influencers. The reason we did it is is because the algorithm was giving us live juice at the time. Mm. And now the algorithm, you know, if, if you want to get subscribers on YouTube, it used to be hard. It's not now. It's not. If you, if you sit down and focus in the next three, six, nine months, uh, you can get so much subscribers. Look at every, uh vertical video youtube short look how prominent that subscribe button is it's bright it's punchy it's red you know and and i've seen pages who you know struggled with subscribers on youtube uh for years suddenly they get more subscribers in six months than they get in six years yeah so vertical video and that and that snap as well as vertical video what we spotlight yeah spotlight spotlight is the creator economy right like so You know, we look at sort of the industry as uh, the creator economy is a lot to do with creators and revenue share from platforms. And then the token economy is obviously crypto, but the token economy is more like the direct to consumer piece, the subscription piece. There's overlap. Uh, But yeah, with Snapchat, uh, you know, Snapchat, we have we have shows in Saudi. We have one show called Meme and Cluster Social Media, if I can pronounce it right, who's crushing (laughs) social media. And it's the biggest show in Saudi, it, like a, two four minute episodes a week. Uh, it had six billion top snap views last year. What's it called? Uh, who's Crushing Social Media? So, Meem Minkassar. Meem Minkassar. Meem
1: Yeah. You and said it perfectly right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, it was a really good show. But it's one of seven shows we have now. And uh, it's vertical video. And they talk about sort of trending uh, influencer stuff. Uh, and, uh, they do script writing around it. Uh, so, uh, but we, but we, we said, you know, we said we were a non-scripted company because you need different types of script writers to do different stuff. So you asked earlier, uh, how we do fast news. Well, we want to see what are people WhatsApping each other about, right? Like, and if people, if we go into the office in the morning, our journalists, and they look across the office and look at all the different nationalities in Dubai and they go, what were these people WhatsApping each other last night? And then how do we, going back to the freedom of speech thing, because I kind of wanted to finish that with something positive, but like, you know, like basically, you know, you can do it. Like, you know, you can do journalism, right? So we, we basically publish everything, right? We're not afraid of publishing stuff provided we don't insult or provided we don't, but the the thing is to do media and it makes it even harder. How do you package it up? You know, and how do you do it in a way on social media? Like we talked about it in source before, like people say, um, you know, this is going to be bad for your brand. You're going to get negative comments. Well, we're not really a brand. I mean, we are a brand, but we don't mind the negative comments because the discourse is, is part of the media, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not selling anything to you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so, so some influencers, when they post stuff and they get canceled, they delete the posts. We don't do that. Journalism shouldn't do that. Like people bring us up and say, take it down, and it goes all down those routes. But like you know, so anyway, the trends, the vertical video, um, Snapchat is Snapchat's big in Saudi. It hasn't really been killed by TikTok, but obviously TikTok's big. But I think there's room for all of these. Like Be Real's coming out now, mm-hmm. IRL real. In, in real life. Like, but Be Real is it a is it a platform? Or is
2: it a feature? TikTok? I feel knows. like it's just a hype. I don't know, like,
3: I don't know if it's going to continue, let's see.
4: Let's see. I
0: want never, be, but never, never underestimate what the, I mean, I'm not an, uh, an expert in, in, in social media per se, uh, from what I know from my platform and the way I, uh, it grew it. It's all about care. It's mm. all about answering people, having conversations, uh, getting to know uh, who is actually consuming your content, and and for me that's 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 about it. I mean that's that's the the trend is going to be more interaction with with yeah. with the people that are part of this. I don't I don't I don't like to call this a follower base. I like to call it a community because I believe in in that aspect. I believe if you are interactive, if you are engaging with the people that are basically consuming your content, you get more results, more efficient choices of, of content that you're throwing out there. And then you could, you could go for people who are technical, like Richard, for example, or, 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 uh, like understand more about like, what is, is it vertical videos? Is it maybe text for medium for, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of medium articles. I enjoy Mm. it. I don't care if it's gonna grow or not. Mm. Um, so, so yeah. So I think it's about care. Yeah. The, the, the one word I would say is care. I completely
1: Absolutely. agree. It's mostly about building emotional connection with yeah, your community. Really. Um, before we end the segment and we move to the last segment of today's episode, I have a question for both of you guys. So I'm going to ask it now. Um, what would be like an advice you would give someone who's just graduated university? Going into crypto. <laughs> <laughs> So that's a mutual
2: answer. That's definitely a mutual answer. (laughs) Okay, that's a good one. And for you guys, what would be your future plans? You have like anything that you are thinking of doing, like a vision, a mission, like what's in your future plans? What's in the future plans of love in Dubai? You mentioned a couple of things. What's in the future plans of Rami? Yeah. Rami or Lexium and Oculus,
0: because because okay. Rami is going to keep building Lexium and Oculus, and that's that's my lifetime plan. That's yeah. your lifetime. plan. Yeah, and if
1: we did a podcast one year from now, what it's would be? It's going to be
0: Lexium and Oculus.
1: Lexium and yeah.
0: yeah, I still have one yeah. one startup in mind that I want to do. That's that's not now, but it's coming. Uh, that's related to relationships because I believe in disrupting relationships. I don't believe in the way relationships are built right now. So I believe, I believe that I, so I chose five points in my life that I want to try to change or disrupt or impact, uh, legal startups, relationships, and then, uh, uh, potentially at some point later on politics, Uh, because I'm passionate about politics and, uh, my personal family, like Mm. trying to enhance that circle of mine and having people who I really love and care about and would give my life for around me and vice versa. Yeah. So that that. Make just sure
1: to call us. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs>
2: we'll, we'll, we'll want to hear all about it. Richard, any like that future plans, visions for your life, for your companies, et cetera?
3: Yeah, would, I'd like to just keep growing and building Augustus Media, you know, whatever comes under that. Like, yeah, you know, I believe in making kind of shorter term business plans, like mm. one to three years. It's nice to have a big goal in the future. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure out now how to grow. Like we went from 20 people in the pandemic to seventy now, right? And uh, you know we we're looking at like, do you need a big goal? What's the sort of incentive alignment? Should we let, should we aim to go public at some point? Mm. Um, do we keep growing these brands right now and then do M and A in the future? Uh, you know, I have so I would need to grow these brands, but on the side I have my own investment fund that I called it Fitzy Funds, kind of a fun thing. But but basically I invest in some startups, but they're actually as if I'm investing Augustus Media, I, you know, the board, whenever I said them ideas, they're kind of like, that's more of a think no. thing. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, well, like, I think it's the same thing. I think it's Augustus Media. And I think, you know, we need to, we need to build Lovin' and Smashy Uh, With love and I'd love to do NFT projects in the future, have this one idea where we have a love and fest, although we don't really do events, but have a love and fest in each city like Riyadh, Beirut, Cairo, Dubai, and you get one NFT ticket and you go, did you go to the one in Dubai and Riyadh, et cetera, and you do it around a national day kind of time Mm. and it's a celebration of the city. Uh, so we'd like to do something like that, you know, like they're just projects, you know, I yeah. think, think keep building. I'm inspired by, uh, you know, some of the companies I invest in, like Podio podcast app in Lebanon, uh, I hope you're hosting it <laughs> Put them on the spot, no, no. but, um, you know, and then, uh, Nifty Souk as well, yeah. an NFT project. So a lot of, a lot of startups in the region. Uh, around media, there's one in Saudi, a female, uh, platform, Bulk for her, and there's, um, uh, plant based news, uh, uh, sort of, uh, vegan type news platform out of the UK. So th- th- those type of things in the future, you know, maybe Augustus Media would be more of a holding company for these modern media brands, and then maybe we go public, like, but
2: yeah. it's, it's a step by step. It's a step by step. Yeah. Now we'd like mm-hmm. to move to the trivia section. So it's just general questions, just for fun, you know, to finish off the episode. Uh, I'll let maher go with the first three. Yeah, we
1: can start with the first three. Uh, but how do you want to be? So uh, how do you want the setup I, I, to be?
2: I, I want them to try to answer. Let's
1: answer see. first come first serve, or they do something like that. So we give them the permission to I answer. I think first
2: come first serve. They're gonna look at each other. Uh, okay. to yeah, no, okay. see how it goes.
1: So we'll start with the first question. Are you ready, guys? What is the painting, La Gioconda more usually known as?
2: La Joconde. You guys know Giconte La Joconde? Yeah. In
1: French, no? No idea?
2: Mona Lisa.
4: Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's the okay. first one. Okay.
1: okay, second question. What's the most expensive home?
2: No, no, wait, it's this one.
1: <laughs> this
2: one. <laughs> Not the expensive okay. home thing. We the statue. Next, <laughs> I think.
1: The Statue of Liberty was given to the US by which country? Egypt, no?
2: No? No. Oh, then. Uh, Fra-
1: France? Yes. Okay, yes.
3: Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. Libertad. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Third question. Probably... Yeah. How many children does Oprah Winfrey have? She doesn't have her own children, but she adopts. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I think yeah, that's Richard, Richard. Richard. It's zero. <laughs> yeah.
2: okay, okay, so it's two and. Do if you, do 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 you want. You want take I'll, I'll take over. Uh, which chess piece can only move diagonally?
0: Uh, Bishop uh, the, yeah. yes Tutu <laughs> <Two, two.
2: laughs> okay in which film did father and son actors Will and Jaden Smith first appear together Pursuit Hab- yes. of Happiness
1: of yes he's <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 taking <They're sticking laughs> what a
2: comeback <laughs> time it's three, it's three two. <laughs> let's see if we'll need a tiebreaker what is the most common letter in the English alphabet yeah common letter common letter what uh, the most common letter in English alphabet he used alphabet. It all the let- in words yeah, and words. The mo- the most common letter used in words. A, I, e. Say C. one. Say one. Okay. Uh, C. A. No. 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 We'll give you we'll give you three options. Okay? Uh, we'll give you four options. A, E, I, E, and C. E. Okay, E. e. Yeah. Okay. Well <laughs> so now it's three, three three. We'll get, we'll give the last question. Who said to float like a butterfly and stink like it's a... a it's Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Well played, well played. But guys, Anna, I would like to thank you so much. It was an amazing episode. Amazing lots episode. Lots of insights. Rami, thank you Richard, so much. thank you so much for ha- ha- being here. We have to all together say, say our famous sentence. yeah, but
1: before make sure you guys
2: like and like subscribe. subscribe. That's the, the yeah,
1: beginning. yeah. That's the most important thing. Seventy-five percent of the people watching us are not subscribed. It's, it's just
0: more. a button just
2: one button yeah Richard said it's flashy it's flashy red, Flashier, fungier, red bright so but yeah let's go what you usually say is uh, always have a higher take i'm gonna remove that <laughs> so i'm gonna say always have and all of you yeah. will say higher yeah. take if we can all look at the camera here yeah. and let's do it so guys always have higher, higher take, take. <laughs> thank
1: you thank great you guys. thank you guys